thank God the Nazis were stupid. Hello, my name is Ricardo Deacon. Hello, my name is Orla McNeilis. And welcome to The Recommendation Game, a film of the week podcast where we take turns to pick a movie the other person hasn't seen. We watch it separately and Skype each other to discuss it. You're listening to Dublin Digital Radio. This week's film was chosen by Orla. Yep. It is Museum Hours from Austria. I've only been to Europe once, a long time ago. My cousin was ill in the hospital. There's no close family left in Dublin. I haven't seen her in a long, long time. It's just really hard to figure out what to do. Welcome to Vienna. Thanks. Doctor says she's steady, quite steady, but nothing really is better, but also nothing is worse. Freelance, what do they call that here? But I also work at a little bar just to make money, and that's another friend who owns a club. So I'm friend-employed, actually, not self-employed. They don't even look like they're new. They look like they're proud, which I like. Not, they don't look ashamed. I had a boyfriend, and I was so guilty about sexual... Ah, this is too much information again. Do you have any friends that you haven't seen for a while, or that you don't even know where they are anymore? Sorry, I didn't mean to pry. Ah, that's fine, really. It doesn't seem to be much there, really, does there? It's like it came from nothing, it might go back to nothing. It would disappear when you walk around the corner, come back again. Some of the older stuff looks the most modern, doesn't it? A Vienna Museum guard befriends a visitor and the two explore their lives, the city and the ways artwork reflects the world. The movie was directed by Jem Cohen with a screenplay by Jem Cohen, produced by Jem Cohen, Paolo Calamita, Gabriel Krasnaider, Guy Picciotto and Patti Smith, starring Mary Margaret O'Hara and Bobby Sommer, cinematography by Jem Cohen and Peter Rossler, edited by Jem Cohen and Mark Vive, music by Mary Margaret O'Hara. So, Orla, why did you pick Museum Hours? As funny as well was that whenever I watched it, um, <laughs> I nearly turned it off at the start because I didn't feel, I, I don't know if I was just like not in the mood for it or, or what, or if it has a sort of a ropey beginning, but it's when you're not used to the like cadence of their delivery, the like feeling of it, I was very like, I don't like this. I'm going to turn this off. And then I like sort of, I don't know if I got distracted and then just like continued with it. I was like, fuck it. And, um, and then it's like, oh no, wait, actually I fucking love this. Uh, so it's sort of like, I think a part of it is that like their, their setup and they're kind of like little meat cute is a little sort of mannered or something. And, but like, I think the film it does not take long for the thing to like, pull you in to unravel to like get to what the film was trying to do um or at least it did for me <laughs> um the director is an interesting dude um I like anyone that's called Jem I just think that's a very cute name but uh he has a lot of ties to 
um, with like street photography and kind of like experimental short films, but also like music and music videos and stuff. So as you read there, Patty Smith is a, an executive producer and he's made a short film with her um, in the 90s, I think. Um, but he's also uh, directed a lot of REM videos and he has a, like a pretty good friendship with uh, Michael Stipe. Um, he did the video for Night Swimming, um, for example, and a few other ones as well from that era. But um, there's a few interesting interviews with the two of them, like where they're sort of interviewing each other, which is kind of interesting. But um, yeah, he's kind of a, he's kind of a funny character. There's a great interview with him on um, like Filmmaker uh, magazine. It's <laughs> a great quote, like at the very end of the interview, he says, I don't even think about making art films, certainly not in some classical European sense. A lot of what I come from and return to is very down to earth. Shooting on the streets certainly is. A lot of my projects are ways to get at ideas, but keep them grounded. Some museum hours allowed me to talk about why I'm a filmmaker and why art is important to me. But that's not me comparing myself to, it's, it's spelt like brule, but is it like, they pronounce it kind of like bridal? I think the artist, like the, the, the room that they're in. Um, but uh, <laughs> I'm not entirely sure how you're supposed to compare it. But um, yeah, so he's he's very interesting. And then we have um, Mary Margaret O'Hara, who is like exceedingly interesting character. So sister of Catherine O'Hara, randomly enough, um, which did like I I don't th- I did not know this until I watched it again yesterday and like actually did some research into her. Yeah, so <laughs> it did make me wonder a lot of like, have you seen Shit's Creek? Oh yes, I have. Yeah, uh, it does make me wonder if like some of the like characteristics of her sister made her way into that character, and like I do not. That is not. I do not mean that with shade because I love Moira so much. Like she's a, f- a fantastic character. I love her bits. Um, but I was just saying, it's like last night where, you know, you have a character who was like famous for like one thing and then sort of like disappeared and became this kind of strange, obscure character. And I was like, that's kind of what Mary Margaret of O'Hara is. So she, she's kind of like a cult figure in Canada. Um, and this sort of internationally as well. So she had, she released one album in the eighties that was very successful. Um, and then she just sort of disappeared she hasn't released anything formally since um and she's kind of a recluse like she appears on different people's albums every so often and stuff and she's done some performances in different movies but um uh like she has as far as I know like no record label she has no website she has no social media um but her fans have created a website for her and like so it's all taking all the scraps of information that they know about her and there's like there was a, an article about her in the guardian in like 2015 i think um but since then i couldn't really find a whole lot of information on her so she's this sort of strange enigmatic character with this like you know very you know in the spotlight sister it's very strange um yeah i uh I really like this movie. It reminded me a lot of um, oh fuck, what's that movie called? Hello, Columbus. What the the one with the uh, the Colgonada directed? Yeah, what is that? That's called? a Columbus. Is it just Columbus? Columbus? Okay, why did I yeah. say Hello, Columbus? But yeah, just Columbus. Um, it's just because of like two characters, you know, wandering around having these discussions about like art and architecture and you know what it means to like view things and um. With like 
everything's sort of like tinged with sadness. Um, and like, it, but it also, it really reminded me of, um, because the museum itself and the work itself, and the, but also the city is such a character in the movie, it really reminded me of um, Frederick Wiseman. Um, so we did Jackson Heights and did we do another Wiseman? No, unless he directed that uh, that something county day by day and by night or whatever. No, that no, Hale like. County. No, no, no. Um, no, that's not that's not Wiseman. But um, yeah, I kind of think yeah. But either way, he's like um, has made a lot of movies about like something you know like a neighborhood. But also, he's made one on like the New York Public Library, and he made one on Berkeley, and these like examinations of an institution and like the people that pass through and like from like the administration all the way down to just like normal people that are interacting with these things. So um, the way that he's constantly weaving these images of the city and of people and like both positive and negative. And um, it really, yeah, it really reminded me of, um, of Wiseman because it's like a mix of like the very picturesque, the very like gray and mundane, uh, but also like the comical aspects of of like daily life like at all this um like very like humanistic but also very honest of just like letting your camera sit there for a while and seeing things unfolding yeah like it's it's definitely a, like a very beautiful film at points like there's one there's one shot that really kills me um when she's in the hospital singing and uh there's like she's sort of in the corner of the frame and there's like the sort of like um slatted light from the window and like the light is like slowly fading and it's like he just holds on it and it's like oh it's beautiful um yeah i think <laughs> i feel like the characters like they both sort of grow on you at like different paces i think and like so johan is sort of like politely charming and like i find Anne is sort of more somebody called her mary i was like i find it weird that he they gave her a character name i'm not sure why um the scene the scene that really gets me is um when they're sitting in a bar talking about like music and he's like, you know, it may surprise you, but I love heavy metal. And she's like, like Cradle of Filth. And he's like, how do you know Cradle of Filth? And it's like so cute. And then they're like just talking about different bands and the actor, um, they plays Johan. Uh, a lot of that is taken from his real life. So there's an interesting combination of um, scripted and unscripted. So parts of it are very strictly scripted and other parts are, you know, he wanted them to kind of take from their own lives and um, create little stories around it that are sort of playing versions of themselves. But um, he was like a young punk uh, in his like, you know, as a kid and as a uh, as a young man. Um, and I think he did work as like a um, like a manager or a promoter or something as well. So when he, I think he's, when he's telling those stories, they're based on things that really happened to him, which is quite funny. But um, I just love how he says like, an old punk like me. <laughs> He's like, oh, I love him so much. Um, yeah, it's um, it's an interesting film because it's it's kind of covering these like ideas, like these kind of grand ideas of like art as life. And it's, but the film is not like trying to be grand at all or like trying to be very loud or trying to be very decisive in any of these things. Um, like I find the, the, the section with... Um, the, uh, the professor in the museum is like fascinating. I, it's fascinating both what she says, but also the way that 
the way he films it is really interesting. The way the people are sort of like milling around and how like it's cutting from their faces to the faces in the painting. And it's like there's like so many layers in that <laughs> section. That's like I don't know if I'm like smart enough about art to be able to like offer much on top of what like is going on in that scene. But um, um, I do think like the film is best when it's focusing less on the kind of very small amount of plot around her uh her uh cousin cousin yeah um and more on just the gentle details like the 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 things of them just sitting in bars and those sort of ambling conversations that they have and as they build this rapport and um yeah like it's just such a film of like fucking amazing details it's like the the like the walls and bars and the walls throughout the city with like posters and like even the details of like the outdoor markets and the paintings where they're sitting directly on the street and it feels like such a time capsule so this is um I couldn't get a lot of information on how this was filmed or when but I'm assuming probably around like 2011 you look at how much the city has probably changed in that time like it's very interesting like it's such a time capsule in the way of like something like before sunset or before sunrises like that's such a of like the respective cities in those movies um and it's, it's like such a fucking wintry movie but like <laughs> wintry and a very like not like lead up to christmas winter it feels very much like january winter where it's just like the gray depression of it which i was like this is a good time to be watching this film it's a very um interesting film about the examination of like value of like both like people but also the paintings and the people that made the paintings um and it, <laughs> it's like a more subtle version of um have you seen mona lisa smile nope <laughs> i might pick that someday even though i think is that would... the julia roberts movie <laughs> yeah it's terrible i love I it i <laughs> think i did watch it but like probably half watched it uh, it was in the background sometime you know back in the day whenever you were forced to watch whatever the fuck was on tv uh, yeah it's a real on rte in the in the evening kind of movie it's such a cozy movie though i really enjoy it um but she has a big speech so she's teaching in this college with these um sort of little protege kids where they're all women and you know they're incredibly intelligent they've swallowed the textbook and can regurgitate to her regurgitate it to her so she comes in and she's like she has to try and like shock them so she has this whole she brings in these like very abstract paintings and they're like it's not art and she's like why not why isn't it art and it's like her big speech and they all start to respect her so in some ways the movie is like dealing with similar themes but in a similarly cozy but less or more subtle way than julia yeah i i do i think the film is is like interesting when it's sort of uh, well, it's interesting in a lot of ways, but in regards to Mona Lisa's pile, I think it, it, it it's it's little juxtapositions, but I don't think are very subtle. But I kind of enjoy because I feel like the the shots are so pretty. Um, the like the difference in how the shots of the paintings, the kind of the warmth of the shots of the paintings when they're sort of uh, juxtaposed with the the street markets and like where their paintings just sitting there and there's like rubbish around and you know it's like very cold and icy looking um there's a lovely lovely what's well, a lot of lovely quotes from johan but um uh i will finish on this 
after all, many of the works considered greatest in the museums were worth little or nothing in their day. Many of the artists who made them died poor, and yet they sit side by side with paintings that were of great renown and sold for fortunes. Side by side they hang, and if you weren't told, would you know with which was which? Johan. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I'll shut up now. Ricardo, uh, what did you think of museum hours? Oh, for one, uh, you you have a tradition of picking the most fucking obscure movies that like are impossible to to acquire by legal terms. I had to pay fucking fifteen quid in Apple TV to buy it. I rent. Why you couldn't rent it? Not in Europe, baby. Oh, sorry, because it was only like That's five dollars like, for me to rent. I'm sorry. To be honest, I I I am way too late on getting like a VPN because. <laughs> to try to solve my my rental problem especially whenever you're picking these fucking really uh obscure movies i do think that it's probably even considering like some of the little documentary movies that you've picked i think that this is probably the lowest budget movie that we've done oh i didn't because, check actually um uh, i know that it is less than five hundred thousand dollars because it won the john cassavetes award in the indie spirits uh film awards which the the only extrapolation for that award is that the movies are below half a million dollars in budget so I think that would make sense when you look at the yeah, like uh, the movie, yeah, there's no real locations to probably be able to shoot in the museum for free. So you're only like dependent on the the wages of the, the actors, really. Uh, and the film stock. Yeah, like I found it interesting as a, a pick uh, for after we've done an Ozu movie. The, it is equally a movie about uh, like the... Aging? the nothingness of life really like both about aging but also about like walking around the city and not having a real plot and like the distances of family and stuff like the way the uh was it dusseldorf the johan's oh, brother, brother lives in yeah. and he's like oh yeah a city that i hate to visit or whatever that i keep probably just waiting for <laughs> for his brother to show up um <laughs> And I did appreciate, even though like it's a little bit ham-fisted whenever he like reveals that he is gay, uh, so it kind of like completely undermines the the idea of a romantic com- connection mm. between himself and herself. I think it's both too subtle in a way and too ham-fisted. It's very you know <laughs> because <laughs> because you could miss it and then like completely not get the 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 relationship, but because they talk so. Usually, like, whenever they're talking, it just flows. Or even whenever he's talking about art or whatever, it's kind of linked to everything. Is Whenever he talks about his partner that died a few years ago, it's just, like, shoehorned in the scene. That <laughs> it's not related. It's like... Uh, but otherwise, like, I did really uh, like the movie uh, altogether. I think that it is a little bit overlong for the structure of the movie. But that's... Mm, but at the same time, it's kind of like the pacing of it also is part of the enjoyment of it. So there's no, there's very little to to criticize there. It's not like some movies that some scenes sag and stuff like. Uh, I do think, like you said, that now the um, I know the uh, the main actress is Catherine O'Hara's sister. Uh, it makes so much sense, like that performance and stuff. <laughs> that it's like. It? Uh, <laughs> 
I, I think uh, I, I was looking back going like, how the fuck did I not know that? I briefly uh, checked uh, her Wikipedia page and it's like, she has the one album from the 80s and then like the soundtrack for a movie, like a romantic comedy from 2000 called Apartment Hunting, <laughs> which is the most random fucking discography ever. But like, uh, I think that the movie itself uh, is very kind hearted. Uh, I also appreciate how it doesn't the same way that Johan says that he decides not to show the touristy locations of Vienna that the movie avoids that it, it, it's not like the Euro trip kind of fucking mm. tourist uh, board funded uh, before uh, before sunrise that it's just like the idea of uh, Vienna this is how amazing it is like the punk scenes and stuff like that but I, I think more importantly that it's kind of I don't know what, like, I know this Super 16 that they're shooting on, but I don't know what exactly is the the film stock that they're using, but it is one that I know from looking at it that was used in Europe very wildly in the, the 80s and stuff, so the movie mm. seems like a time capsule uh, in a way that you can't do it even, like, if you're shooting digital and then trying to put some fucking... Uh, effect on it to make it look like an older movie. This actually looks like the movie is gonna be about like fucking KGB spies. Uh, you know what I mean? It's it's such a great movie. It's so funny, but then like like hard cut back into the museum where it's like rich, beautiful colors. I think that they were shooting with like uh, uh, tungsten balanced films, uh, film stock for the out exterior areas and yeah. even in the interiors because. A lot, especially in the the scene of the pub, the it's straight out of the fucking charismatic movie. <laughs> the the <laughs> bar so that they're the bars are so charismatic. Oh my god! Oh yeah, and like the little focusing in on people's faces every so often and stuff. It's like yeah, I'm getting a real sense of like charismatic players. <laughs> but in a way, as well, it's the the same way that uh, uh, charismatic or Ozu are very. They use their the, the the form of filmmaking to kind of break the idea of how you expect a scene to be shot and how you expect it to be edited together. This movie does it to a lesser degree. It's less formal than the other two directors that I mentioned there, but it's still like you say that scene whenever she sings and uh, next to her sister, which is a very heartbreaking scene. Like you. You mentioned um, uh, Alex straight away copped on that she was like, oh, that is somebody that is a very well-trained singer mm. that has practiced. It's not somebody that was like trained whenever they're, they were in college or something. This is like somebody uses her voice all the time. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good insight. But I think... Um, my favorite scene in the movie, though, which is kind of ironic considering that the, there's such uh, great performances from the two lead characters, is the the scene whenever the the, the lecturer is mm. giving a tour of the museum there and Johan is just looking on. And I like how there's almost like a, a threat, like a level of threat in the background because there's obviously so you have like it's so like her last line is like obviously not everyone has to agree with me or something it's really like aggressive <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> yeah also because uh, the you know it's 
like one of those lines that uh, she, the way that she says it, the way that it probably means is like, I could agree with you, but then both of us would be wrong kind of uh, <laughs> statement. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, like, the, the way how also how obviously they have to be Americans, which I love. But the movie itself, like this long Rambo goes on to like actually present something that the movie does that it's actually quite sad how it's actually hinting in the background about the decline of Vienna as a place because of its uh, kind of swing to the far right that mm. the idea of punk and inclusion and everything else and anti-establishment is kind of what he uh misses the most about the past it's like it's very clear view not like oh the youth these days are terrible it's just like so disappointing for him that like the youth should be the idealist rather than uh the the quote-unquote supposedly pragmatic but like fascism was not pragmatic uh mm. but like even the way that he makes like the very clever joke that is like oh people are still afraid of like turkish invasions just because of immigration obviously like uh but it's so good i love that scene because he's like i'm mostly joking but <laughs> so like but there's a but even at that there's like level of subtlety because uh whenever she goes and visits the the flag towers and she senses the evil of the of them kind of thing like that mm. and whenever he explains what they are um he doesn't have to say oh, I was built by the Nazis. He just goes built during the war. Like there's a, a certain level of subtlety, but like by his delivery, you can tell that there's like a, a like a way that normally he's talking about like how expensive it would be to take them down, mm -hmm. but also how they should be there as a reminder of what a waste fascism is because like those flag towers also like they're, they're all over Berlin and Hamburg and stuff like that. They were both completely useless during the war but also took so many resources out of more important quote-unquote for like it's one of those things that's like thank god that they the nazis were stupid because they're like just wasting their resources or whatever but you know what i mean it's like uh, thank god the nazis were stupid <coughs> indeed <laughs> but yeah like i I think that the movie is like very well shot. It's weird that like you kind of see it as well through this movie because whenever you go to these like central European cities, when you go into the outer outskirts, outskirts, you can really tell which ones were uh, um, part of the Eastern Bloc uh, as the Warsaw Pact. And which ones weren't based on like architecture, for example, like Prague and stuff like that. You can see like post-Soviet buildings all over in the suburbs and whatnot. But then whenever you go into the central of the city, you can see some of the like the, the, the old, old parts are very unique to each city. But then the parts that are old, but like 200 years old, not a thousand years old. They're mm. very much the same because of the being part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. So it's kind of it just links it the same way that like Vienna was the part that people forget about Vienna is that it became an incredibly poor city after the first world war because it had been like a massive center of an empire that stretched from Austria all the way to the Balkans and all the way to the Black Sea. And then after the partition of Austria, it's like the city of like 10 million, 5 million people at that time. But there's nothing to manage. Mm. 
like it was the center of like massive uh, infrastructure of uh, uh, bureaucracy. Mm. And then like there's nothing to be bureaucratic about. Like you don't have to manage the like you don't have to manage as many trains, for example, like just looking at the train station in in that movie. Mm. It's something as well looking at that uh, whenever you see like a big train station, it's fucking hate like Ireland and the UK that is like, why can't we have European style transport? God damn it. Like, like you see all the S bands and the, the, the <laughs> undergrounds or whatever. As a per- <laughs> As a person from Donegal, it hits me very, very directly. <laughs> but I, but I, I did like how dingy the movie is. How <laughs> like, uh, it probably I don't know like if uh, your man Jam probably either uh, was lived in Vienna at some stage, or if he used like a proper tour guide for location scouting because it feels like the type of movie that it's not. You know, it, it doesn't feel like the touristy, like mm. trying to do, uh, portray the real Vienna, like the way that it doesn't, even the rivers that it shows are like the, the, the sadder rivers. It doesn't show <laughs> the, the, the big rivers. river. It doesn't show <laughs> like, the, if you take the, ex- with the exception of the museum, none of the like beautiful buildings, like fucking opera houses and other museums and it's a lot like of side cinemas streets. and palacios they they just show like shitty office buildings and side well, streets it's, it's kind of interesting because they the way of like getting around it in like sort of the world of the movie is that she doesn't have a lot of money so he's like you know i need to bring her to like stranger places but at the same time it's like uh that feeling of rediscovering a city that you've lived in forever through showing it to somebody else so like as in you're not just bringing them to tourist areas you're bringing them to things that like you see every day and stuff because like even whenever my parents were here like i haven't lived here very long but my parents were here they were like oh just show us your neighborhood so it's like beyond the places i walk all the time which are not necessarily the like touristy places they're just like my neighborhood and it's you get a much more interesting view of a place and even from the person, like showing it to people is kind of interesting as well because you really see it in a new light. Um, so yeah, it's kind of it's sort of interesting. <laughs> the sadder rivers, yeah. Yeah, like uh, ironically, like I was speaking to somebody yesterday with like a, a Colombian friend of mine that she was talking about, like her husband is Polish, mm-hmm. and how whenever they go to Colombia, it's kind of weird because she'd be like her family house is just in the countryside and you like to go from the family house to like the city uh, you had to like drive through this valley road into the city and it's like just beautiful scenery but she's like i grew like for her it's just like the road to the city is like you know getting the 40 bus into town or whatever <laughs> like uh, there's no magic about it and her husband is like whoa it's so beautiful or whatever and then she like stopped to look around and it's like yeah like it's you forget about the kind of like the the, the common beauty of places it's something that i try to not do even living in ireland like kind of appreciate because ireland is an incredibly beautiful part and like most places you go in ireland you can just look around and be amazed by you know if you were like some fucking tourist from anywhere else you'd be like amazed by shit (laughs) yes like i love little low-key movies like this but i think that it's like so easy it's a very 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 
tight rope to to walk because if you write it a little bit more it becomes overwritten and just pontificating and preachy and fucking terrible it's like why is this not a play instead of a movie but if you underwrite it a little bit it just becomes boring as fuck so it's kind of like you have to a get people that have interesting voices i think more than anything else that you just want to hear them talk yeah about anything like Johan, the guy that plays Johans, his cadence is so both in English and in German, which is kind of important as well for his character. The whenever he's narrating in German, it's very um, peaceful, and you want for him to keep talking to you and explaining things to you. He does and have stuff. a beautiful voice in German, actually, and he speaks. He doesn't speak very fast. He just has this like similar cadence of like. Like with less of the more flow, less of the almost like awkwardness of his English, but still like, yeah, that's that's, that's true. Actually, it's very methodical, and sometimes it's like you kind of get a bit lost, not lost, but like you almost like because it's very relaxing and it's often narrating with images on top of it, so you're almost getting kind of like carried away by it without really thinking about what he's saying. <laughs> but then when you like think about what he said, and you're like. Ah, another profound moment from Johan. <laughs> but he, he doesn't, like, nothing is said in very flowery language or very, like, you know, it's all coming from his own perspective and in his own experience of things. And the fact that, you know, if you do a job like that where you essentially watch people all day, you get a very interesting idea of humanity and, like, it, the repetition of it, but also, like, the little sparks of, you know, oddness and... Um, pettiness he, i love whenever he describes yeah. how uh, <laughs> if uh, somebody's being obnoxious whenever they ask for the toilet yeah. they send him <laughs> on the scenic route but then he's like but of course we all have to go there at some point so if they're like polite we'll go you know i'll always tell them where to go that's like it's just, oh god it's so good um I remember I was in a museum in Berlin and I got lost and the security guard just fucking started screaming at me in German and I was like, what the fuck? Uh, I'm I'm sorry. Uh, any uh, any closing thoughts before we... Yeah, like I, I think that it was uh, like... Uh, for one, uh, uh, I did quite laugh at Alex's point whenever... Uh, we were watching the movie and she goes, well, Orla didn't pick a documentary, but it's as close to the documentary <laughs> that a, a fiction <laughs> movie can be. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> and it was a very accurate uh, description of this movie. That it's, uh, it, really, it really is. And like, but I was like, what's great about it is that... Um, it's just just up to the line, which means that it manages to avoid all those ethical dilemmas, but still manages to like keep something of the like realness of a movie, like um, uh, bloody nose, empty pockets. You know, it's like it, it's you still feel the realness of it, but it's not quite as like you're you you've cut out that like ethical dilemma. So it's like there's not. I've definitely picked movies along this vein before that didn't quite land in the way that this one does i'm trying to think of a good example oh no i suppose like we did the arbor 
which kind of crosses the line as well. And you like the arbor. Oh, yeah, like I think the to me character and narrative like are important, but also like like we've had this discussion, like you said there about like the ethics of documentary, and I think that especially whenever that I do think that there is a difference, and I don't know. Like, I don't think most movie critics, because they do it all the time, they just watch movies for a job. Like, that's it. Like the, that they they don't understand after a while that your brain works differently whenever you're watching a movie that you know you have to write about. Because mm. you're, you're questioning things that you otherwise wouldn't. And I think with documentaries, the first question that you have is ethics. And then you end up going into, like, a rabbit hole of structure and why it usually as well like it's this catch-22 that a lot of documentaries that have no ethical problems are boring as fuck because <laughs> yeah. it's just safe you know like if you have like some guy that is interesting and you just put a camera in front of him and you go just tell me your story and that's it any final thoughts yourself um no, i'm really glad you liked it um it it's a funny one because it, um, it is definitely too long. But at the same time, I'm not sure what I would remove. And at the same time, it never feels very long. You know, like it it sort of glides along, um, just the way it moves from like you know vignettes to vignettes and like, you know, the mix of everything happening and you know it's like, I don't know. It's a very pleasing film to watch and. It's funny because, like, I was, you know, looking up people on Letterbox that got very annoyed for this movie. And a lot of it is just like, it's pretentious, it's pretentious, it's this, it's that. It's like, it's kind of like calling a Kurosaki film pretentious. You know what I mean? It's like, there, there's just, there's something too, like, earnest about this film, I think, to call it pretentious. Uh, it's very hard to make an earnest film without you know feeling cloying or, or or something you know so it is it's it's the bit that i think that uh to a certain degree uh is the problem in a way of like letterboxd imdb and stuff like that that it makes everybody a critic and a lot of people that mm -hmm. should not be a critic a critic that when it comes to you know, it's the same as whenever people complain about being manipulated in movies. It's like, what the fuck do you think movies are? <laughs> to say that, like, and to be honest, it's, it is pretentious, yes, but, like, it's not, like, it doesn't where it's pretentious. And it's, like, this is, like, no fucking Southland Tales or even The Matrix. The Matrix is the most pretentious movie ever made, but because it's so entertaining, you... <laughs> and also because it makes sense. That's the bit that, like, people don't don't get is that you can have the most pretentious movie ever but as long as the the fucking narrative makes sense the points that they're making whenever they're linking to their overall st statement makes sense and it's entertaining why do you give a fuck also mm. every movie does that it's just either they're successful or not to call anything pretentious is like you know it's like fucking i don't know calling classical music loud it's like <laughs> what is that it's like what is the the point of, like of the you can say that it's like okay uh, the uh, the the points are not made clearly it's too uh, like the you could have the argument that everything is kind of separate so you're like uh, it's spelled out for you this movie it does uh, like there's no 
subtext to a certain degree, which mm. usually I dislike. But this movie, because there's not that much going in the background, that it kind of makes them more interesting. That everything is just in the surface, and then it's just because the characters know the subtext of of their lives and like the sadness and everything else is their knowledge that makes it tragic that they're just like stuck on this little loop and then you have this little bit of human connection but it's not gonna go anywhere like she's just gonna go back to montreal wherever the fucking canada she's from and he's just gonna stay there and be in the museum guard and not have another connection like that for years and just playing his online poker yeah, and then it's like, oh yeah, but now he knows that he can't be alone, that he needs to make a connection. It's like, it's not going to happen. He's just going to go, like, it worked one time, she needs to go, that's it. Now, so what's going to be the next tourist day? Well, like, he's just going to be prying on, like, widows and single <laughs> old ladies or something, you know? Oh no, the next year, Johan was fired for, like, yeah. being creepy to people. He's, like, hover because he hovers a lot. But like in a kind of nice kind of, and it's kind of interesting, like, uh, you know, like the kind of like security guard in a place that you don't expect anything bad happening. That you're just like, (laughs) you know, making sure that nobody robs the paintings. But it's like, no, if somebody shows up with a gun, you're like, yeah, take the painting. (laughs) Yeah, he's just wearing a suit. There's no like... (laughs) <laughs> he doesn't even have a taser i don't think he's just kind of there to like stop people touching the paintings i guess but like <laughs> exactly or like oh yeah tell teenagers to quiet down a bit or whatever like yeah. uh, i do like in particular that scene whenever he complains about teenagers being like little pricks but then he goes i would have been a little prick myself when i was young i like his self-awareness of that idea you know like because even like i hear some people from our generation going like oh the kids nowadays with their tiktoks it's like come on that's what happens it's like that fucking uh homer the grandpa simpson thing that is like i used to be with it now i don't understand what it is anymore or whatever like it's that's what happens you grow old you don't understand that's it that's fine it's fine like kids let just them do, age be fine. age with dignity good god <laughs> what is your favorite thing favorite thing is i think that the vibe of the movie like you said very uh pointedly that it reminded me of columbus as well mm. yeah like the idea like even of having like the character that is like on the in their deathbed basically and stuff like that while the other person is just waiting for the moment to come that you know that it's coming any moment but it's kind of like putting a pause on your life while you you kind of wait for your goodbye. It's kind of bizarre, uh, mm. and um, yeah, like I think that the the vibe of the movie, like the whole feeling that it, it it evokes on the the audience, is great. It's a very relaxing movie. I watched this, uh, like I watched Marcel the Shell with the shoes on, and no. then I watched this. And they're both kind of like mockumentary, fake documentaries, kind of relaxing movies with like very soft-spoken narrators. It's kind of, <laughs> uh, it was interesting kind of to to watch them back to back. But have you seen Marcel with, with the shell? No, I kind of oh, want it's to. Like the, God, it's, um, a, it's Oscar nominated now, isn't it? Yeah, it's a very, very pleasant little relaxing movie. It's very, like it's... like. 
incredibly cute it's probably the cutest movie you've ever seen it's like but without <laughs> trying too hard it's just nice it's like <laughs> the way that this movie like what i mean is, like even with the the link to this movie that uh with like this movie is warm and loving and whatever but there's a tinge of like really sad melancholy in the background that mm. is Again, like you you mentioned, the uh, um, elevated also by setting the movie in the in the middle of winter, but not during like the cute part of winter whenever there's snow everywhere. It's like it's like whenever it's sludgy and fucking mm. just cold or whatever. Windy as fuck. So, yeah. But at the same time, even at that, it's like you know, there's a certain joy that that's where they met because that's the 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 saddest moment of the year like after christmas because there's no christmas decorations around so you know that it's like probably january or february that the movie takes place but at mm. the same time it's like it's far away from spring and summer so those are the the saddest months of the year and as we are now and i think that <laughs> it's like quite nice for them that it's like that is the the period that they share with each other uh i just wish that there was a little bit more clarification on the timeline of how long she's there just in the in the sense of uh not to say like to make it too explicit or whatever but just to know it's like is this a relationship like a weekend is it a like fucking two days three days is it like two weeks because obviously within the grand scheme of things it doesn't make a difference but also it does make a difference if you're sharing that that amount of time with somebody that is just there to visit the kind of you know it's like dedicating that amount of time is a clear showing how little his life is there as well so uh what was your favorite thing it's johan i think just because he is sort of like our guide throughout the film he has this sort of constant presence with his narration and his the movie is always sort of like going back to to him and like the thing is grounded very much in the museum and like his perspective on things and stuff um but like yeah it's just the combination of his like sweetness but also self-awareness as well like it kind of reminded me of Tokyo Story in a way that like all the characters are very they have all have their flaws and their like inconsistencies and their cruelties and and everything and they manifest in different ways but they, they all have them you know um and yeah it's a it's just a really wonderful performance and you know a combination of his performance and then also the direction and you know, it, it adds to the the very consistent vibe of the film. Um, and like, whenever he says, after he gets off the phone with the doctor, and um, he says, I'm so sorry, Anne. And then like, she knows, and it's like, oh, oh, like, oh. And it's like this great big wide shot, and she just walks away, and oh, it's wonderful. Um, yeah, and even like... <laughs> Maybe shouldn't work at all. It's kind of comical. Like whenever there, she brings him to the hospital, and he's like, "She invited you. She invited me to the hospital." And I don't know why he says he's like, "I I don't see why I, I shouldn't go." So this is when they barely know each other, and they're sitting at her bedside, and 
um, she's saying, like, I don't know if she can hear me, but she's like, will you talk about some of the paintings? And he just goes off on this, like, little ramble, and it's, like, so perfect, and he's, you know, and he's like, yeah, um, he's just a big doubt, and uh, this film is almost, like, I almost, like, worry about him, <laughs> even though he's not a real character, not a real person, I, like, I almost worry about him as if, like, you know, I would write to him or something, you know, it's, like, really sad, but, um, yeah, uh, what was your least favorite thing? My least favorite thing is something that we actually hasn't haven't um, touched upon the on the on the episode altogether. But well, like we alluded to. But I think my least favorite thing is that the 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 person in the deathbed is somebody that she has no relationship to, or it was just a cousin. Like I think, like even if you have as a this like a person that you your lives drifted apart, it's kind of sad, obviously, because then it's like a cousin is the closest thing that you have whenever you collapse. Let's say if you're living in Vienna, whatever. She was that lonely that that's the the person that they ring from the hospital is your cousin that has like a certain sadness to it, but also. Like, you know, I don't think a single person in the world would be like that is not terrible would have that happen to them. Because even well, Johan, who's like completely lonely alone, would have like his brother or like the other friend that he mentions a little bit. That even if you have very few people in your life that you're not very close to, there's still like somebody that is closer than a cousin that you haven't seen for 30 years or whatever that she says. And I think it kind of undermines the melancholy of their encounter like i think uh, whenever we're talking mm. about columbus how like because it's the character's it's father, father it yeah. it gives a, a different kind of vibe about walking around the town because not only you're you're enjoying the company enjoying the the place itself but you're um you're waiting for one of the pillars of your life to fade away and disappear from your life as well so you have this kind of sadness that it hasn't happened yet but you know it is like around the corner and if anything is that that person is already dead you're just waiting for the moment that it's official and i think mm. that having like if it was a sister that or a brother maybe that was uh estranged mm. would have been uh like perhaps more moving in a way because or like, if it was an older person, maybe, yeah. because I think the fact of like, like an because I think the idea of a person having no friends or no connections at all becomes more likely the older that you get. Exactly. So if you're like, you know, what age is Anne in her 40s, probably, like it seems, you know, especially someone that's lived in Vienna all her life, which is the idea that we have the cousin, I guess, or at least that she lived there for a long time. It seems very strange that there's not a single person that comes to the hospital like, they, you know, there's, like, nobody. They're, like, desperately trying to go through to, like, you know, find someone to possibly come and see her. So I think, like, if it had been an elderly relative, maybe, that that might have made more sense. But it's, or like, an, yeah, her being almost the same age as her doesn't really, it seems a bit odd. Yeah, like, even there, like you're saying, if it was a aunt rather than uh a cousin who gets you there kind of thing. It's like, oh, my aunt never had a daughter or whatever. We were close whenever we were kids. And then she moved to Vienna 
whatever like uh mm. doesn't need to make that many um like like i like how vague everything in the movie is that nobody sits down to to explain what happened to them whenever they were they were younger even though i do like a good monologue like in the end of like call me by your name or something like that but it's not necessary in every movie uh what's your least favorite thing that you like well i kind of think like before but you sort of like pinpointed it more accurately of like i just think the handling of the conceit to get her there is like not as well handled as everything else in the film like particularly when like she just feels a little less together as a character as in like the creation of her character not as a person um (laughs) she's definitely not together (laughs) um that, but then then he does like he seems and it's not just because we he he narrates it it's more like the little elements of his life are very like well inserted to like show even that you get like a little bit of him playing his online poker and it's on like a really old kind of shitty laptop and you know it's only like a few shots but it just says so much about like his sort of like quiet existence um and uh yeah, as well, just because he's given such an interesting past of like being this sort of like you know old punk, and when it's compared to her, hers is a lot less. I don't know. As you tease it out, it's like not quite as uh, well constructed. Um, yeah, and I think the I keep wanting to say aunt. I don't know why the cousin. <laughs> I think it was most apparent in the way that's handled. Not that I don't like the scenes with her in the room with her when he's there or at the hospital. I love as well the hospital is like so old and shit. <laughs> Even whenever you get like, I mean, I'm assuming because it was like just the place that they were able to get to fill to film. But even like them, the, them giving her medicine and stuff and everything just looks so old and like, <laughs> it's kind of funny. It's like, which sort of adds to the like weird out of timeness of this movie because even like so many of the cars look really old and it's like kind of a strange there's not a lot of like modern elements beyond like cell phones and the odd fancy looking thing and but so much of it is just like you know it could be 2001 it could nearly be 1991 you know um yeah like i end uh, up going like oh yeah don't you have fucking nct not <laughs> No, you don't have it here either, which is kind of comical. Like they they had it some sort of thing, and then uh, they just got rid of it because the premiere is like just a giant, like that's such a crook of a mouth. But um, so you see people driving around in cars, and it's like, dude, why was that legal? But um, uh, yeah. Oh, um, bring this to a close, and then I was like, I actually don't know what you're gonna pick, so I'm kind of curious. Um. But uh, yeah, so that was uh, Museum Hours. Sort of difficult to find, a little bit expensive, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think we... Yeah, they probably need all... the money in fairness, so it's grand. Yeah, well, also, you should get a VPN. It's very handy. But uh, yeah, so uh, Ricardo, if they want to um, look at uh, all our previous... Oh, God, we are so close to 200 episodes now. Uh, where can they find us? You can find us on Facebook, The Recommendation Game, on Twitter, at The Rack Game. The Recommendation Game at gmail.com is our email. We're on Dublin Digital Radio every second Monday, 11 to 12. And uh, we can be found on Spotify, your podcaster of choice, and also on the Dublin Digital Radio Mixcloud.
Yeah. Next week's film is Ricardo's pick. What are you picking? Actually, we're gonna watch uh, the Oscar nominated <laughs> Top Gun Maverick. Yes, and I have my big TV. Oh my god, I'm so happy. I haven't watched that tonight. Oh my god, that's so exciting. Okay, <laughs> uh, well, until then, uh, I was Orla Venus, and I was Ricardo Deacon. <laughs> Thanks for listening. See you next week. Oh my god, I am dead happy about that.